Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm your host, Busy Gold, and Conscious Construction starts right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of My Modern Good. I'm here with my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Matt Gottesman. His bio is pretty long. I hope you guys are ready for this. I feel like we need a drum roll. This is how I usually feel for mine. So it's good that I get to actually return this to somebody else. And I feel like I have to use like a UFC announcer voice. Multidisciplinary creative, two times founder, podcaster, writer, artist, and web 3.0 enthusiast, which guys, we're going to figure out what that is very shortly. Um, He's also an agile digital marketer with strategy by trade and a background in helping some of the world's most iconic brands, Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy. He is somebody that I've always found to be inspirational in this space because to me, you are as spiritually sound and integrated as you are genius in the digital and e-com space, which I find is really hard to find in this, in this particular area. I feel like people are like really gung-ho in how they're approaching technology and strategy, but they're really missing that spiritual integration or they're kind of like new agey woo. And they're like, Oh my God, tech is bad. Stay away from it. Um, So I really wanted to bring you on the show particularly because I feel like you embody the integration of those two pieces. So welcome, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. It's awesome. You know, I've known you for so many years now and yeah, it's a hard, I think it's a hard balance, right? Um, Integrating, you you have so many people, they take so many different sides and it's like, how do you kind of use all of these different things for the good <laughs> without like abusing, yes. you know, all these things that we have. And the only thing I would say to that is it's like the spirituality, I think bleeds over into everything else that we do. Right. Like when we really kind of tune into ourselves, how does that carry over into our body of work? Right. And no matter how we deliver it. So, so thank you for having me. Of course. And to that effect, it should bleed over into every aspect of your life. Yet I feel a lot of people, compartmentalize and or hide it because they somehow believe that being front facing open about their spiritual beliefs somehow makes them seem less intelligent or somehow, you know, to be taken less seriously. And I think this is something that you and I spoke about when you originally interviewed me on your podcast, how it was my position that years down the road as an employer, you would actually be interviewed to reveal what your spiritual quotient is rather than your IQ or your EQ. Do you remember that convo? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that really speaks volumes to kind of where we've navigated now, because I think this is the time and age when we can't hide it. We shouldn't hide it. It doesn't, it clearly does not take away from who we actually are as, as business people, as e-com entrepreneurs. It, in fact, I think bolsters who we are in this space and what we're capable of. Yeah, I think it I think it helps people get a sense of what grounds us as an individual. And also, I mean, I, spirituality is a funny sometimes kind of a, a take because there's, there's there's just so much space to describe spirituality, mm-hmm. right? And I think everybody is is constantly in one way or another 
trying to make it make sense to themselves. Right. And so you've got so many modalities and so many, you know, <laughs> different ways of looking at spirituality. And I basically say that the short, short version of it is how do we have this special relationship with ourselves from a very internal knowing our soul and um, stay connected to God and um, be able to just embody what we just innately know to be true or, or like integrity and these values and all these other things. And I think getting to know ourselves is probably, I mean, it's a journey. It's, it's your whole life. It's not just kind of found in one, you know, uh, day or month or year or season. And it's not so easily marketed, you know, and everybody I think tries to sometimes market it. And it's like, no, I think we have to, as you used the word earlier, integrate. And if I'm constantly working on myself and I'm constantly embodying this, you know, relationship with myself then that's going to come out through everything else and you're going to know exactly who you're dealing with online or offline and i think that's how we have to bring that through everything that we do you know mm -hmm. and and it solves a like a connection with ourself really does solve a lot of things in business and in personal life we take things a lot less personally um and we start to begin to understand how others are moving as well too and how we can move in relation to them um, in any given standpoint without losing ourselves in the process. And that's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> so so much work. Needed, right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I think something that you just said to me, I feel like is hard to come by in the space and incredibly important. And to me, that means that it's something that we should be prioritizing. You talked about how it actually allows you to basically integrate and be this way both online and offline and I feel like in 2022 especially in the influencer space and you know even kind of like digital e-com founders there's this persona that they have online and then there is basically how they present all the rest of the time in their offline regular day-to-day -day life and one of the things that I've always admired about you is that you are the same, right? Those two ways of your life manifesting are congruent and identical. Do you have any advice for in today's especially very like cancel culture focused society, how to truly be yourself and have that online offline presence be congruent? There's a lot on that question. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I am not a big fan of simple questions. You know, so. no, no. Um, you know, so first addressing the, the, the folks online that are one way and then a different way offline. And often at times like pretty chill. I've noticed like offline, you're like, huh, I'm surprised that that's not the online personality. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that there's a pressure for people that they've either inadvertently put not inadvertently, they place on themselves. And I mm -hmm. get it because we have all done this in different capacities. Um, and uh, for whatever success is supposed to look like, or however we're supposed to deliver the, the product. I just believe in simplicity that um, if you strive to say you as a general public have this specific um, problem or service that's needed or product that's needed or whatever, I'm here to solve it. And let's just keep it to that. I think that a lot of marketing you know, I think I heard Gary Vee say a long time ago, somebody say a long time ago, like the worst thing they have in a marketers is marketer or marketing is marketers. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. like, you know, we're, but we're marketers by trade, but it's like, or one of our trades. Um, but I think it's just that this, uh, sometimes people feel like 
you have to polish things up um, to sell it, which I believe you're also over-promising. And a lot of times in doing so, when I think that humans are actually very easy to understand if you say, I believe you have this thing that you need solved and here's how we do it. And that's it. Um, and that makes it a lot simpler. But I think a lot of people just, you know, there's so much, whether they're comparing to other people or they're seeing hype or, hey, this could be you or whatever. And I've never really agreed with that. So I kind of move into the second part, which is I don't want to use lifestyle marketing um, because I don't know what your end game is. I don't know what your vision is for your life. And it's also not my, my purpose to determine that for you. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't say this could be you when you may want the results of like, you know, your, your business being scaled and, you know, your system's going and all this other stuff. Um, but you may want a different life. Like you may want to just be living out in the woods or you may want to be, you know, uh, just raising a family or, you know, and you might just want to be very. Or both living yeah, in the woods or and both. raising a family. <laughs> and I, honestly, I believe in the same things. Like, so it was just always interesting to me because I'm like, well, you know, you can, you know, portray the whole lifestyle marketing, but I'm like, I get that we have to show what does an end result look like? I just don't think, I think what happened in that, in that culture, which also ties into a lot of consumerism and a lot of other areas, which we'll eventually get into cancel culture here is you started showing like, this could be you type of like scenarios. And that started becoming kind of the norm of like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to aim for that. Like, that's what success looks like. Cause that's what money gets you and all this stuff. And I'm like, money also can get you you know, quiet time and, you know, um, stability and, you know, financial stability or like, you know, just, um, you know, contributing to like organizations and, and charities that you want to create, like anything, really whatever you want. So I say like, hey, we don't have to show like an end result as the lifestyle. We can show an end result of like, here's what it can do for you or your business or your whatever, you know, the outcome of like consuming this product for your home or whatever you might need. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, a lot of that also came from consumer culture. We're getting to cancel culture here. Um, I think that consumerism, I was raised with the internet. And so I saw a very drastic change in the internet over the last 10 years, really, especially. Mm-hmm. It was weird because for so long, I was trying to show businesses and brands who were late to the game. They weren't the early adopters, how to use the internet for like connecting with their audiences. I was a little bit naive in the fact that I thought it was just like a natural, like, yeah, you know, as a business, you connect with your audience and you do right by them and all this other stuff. What followed was a lot of corporations and monopoly, the monopolization of the web, which we'll get into Mm -hmm. web three in a little bit too. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that monopolization of the web from corporatism, consumerism, tech, and all these different, like, you know, just entities, um, saw, you know, it's like absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? And started mm-hmm. kind of using the internet, uh, which was a wide open space for a long time and kind of now just abusing it a little bit, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's any wonder why we're now kind of geared up for Web3, which we'll get into. And I just, I think that as all those entities were kind of working, you start also creating like everybody has a, a microphone as well too. And we've, mm-hmm we've now seen this kind of rise of cancel culture, which is very divisive. And we've lost this kind of ability where we can say, Hey, listen, like let's use um, emotional um, connection. Let's use emotional intelligence. Like 
you have an idea and I have an idea. I think we should be understanding what each other's ideas are. Like, what is it you know? What is it you know? I'd be curious to know, like, could you imagine if at the macro level, um, because we're seeing different realities. That's the other thing too, is what happened with tech. You, you Can you hold on one of- second? I cannot figure out. I literally turned my phone off. I cannot stop getting these notifications and I don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. And I don't want them to keep dinging over you. Um, I can't I hear it if you want, if that's any. You can't hear it? No. I mean, it's so loud and I've turned my messages off on my phone. I'm just, I'm... Um, preferences let me see can i turn this off sign out maybe that'll do it sign out okay sorry it just every few seconds it was dinging i turned my phone off and it was still happening so back to you yeah um you were just yeah, saying, no, so you, I, you were just saying cancel culture was divisive. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like because um, between so algorithms show where where our interests are, where we're leaning towards um, emotionally, mentally, physically, all these things. Right. And so we're all experiencing, I think, different realities. Um, and we all have different access depending on where all of our inputs are coming from. And um, we have to be we have to get back to the root of like going very internal. We have to, uh, this is where spirituality comes back in. Like you have to trust your gut. You, you can't just rely on, on what society tells us. I mean, it's been kind of my brand for eight years where I was like, listen, society is going to say a lot of different things. Like I started about eight years ago talking about like the corporate world. When I started noticing, I'm like, oh, wow, you have a lot of people who are in roles that shouldn't be there. I saw what happened with the medical system uh, with mm-hmm. my father when he was first diagnosed with prostate cancer. And they wanted to like, they're like, you have six, six months. And my mom like basically healed the whole thing differently than the way that they went about it. You know, like I started, I saw the education system with the MBA program when I was like, I was the weird one because I was talking about like digital and tech and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is very antiquated. So I just, I saw the systems up close and personal. And I was like, oh, wow. Like there's a lot of things here that are um, just not aligned. And I'm wondering how that's going to play out in the future. Well, here we are. Mm -hmm. And all these systems are kind of crumbling. But at the same time, I think people are just getting their information from a a whole different ways. That's been going back for many, many years. And what we're now having is depending on where you're at in your process of like understanding who you are or whether or not you've, you know, healed from things or, um, you know, what information you're being fed. It's beautiful that we all can, God willing, uh, have an opinion (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and, and share but I think the issue is when we share the opinion as fact and we're sharing the opinion without an openness to like, hey, here's what I'm, I'm hearing. I'd be curious to, to have some discourse without arguing, like, let's talk, let's come together. But instead, we're finding people kind of choosing a side and saying it's either this or that. And it's, it's creating cancel culture like, oh, if I don't agree with that, then automatically, you know, um, you know, you're offending me. And if you're offending mm-hmm. me, it's like, well, the thing is, is like, that's nothing new, you know? Um, and what I mean by that is like, I, I had a, a, a gentleman from overseas who, um, you know, typically uh, from a culture that is normally in tech, wanted to go mm-hmm. into like art and motion graphic. And uh, he was like, you know, I'm only really typecasted for tech. I want to go into art and motion graphic. I can't get hired anywhere. You know, I think that they're, you know, 
there might be racism involved and all these different things, you know, and it must be easy for you. And I was like, so, you know, I'm like, let's, let's break that down. Let's, let's talk about what's happening there. And this is a really kind of important point because this is kind of what leads to what I think is happening with everybody. I told him, like, I've never gotten a job. I was like, in fact, I've actually been rejected from a hundred percent of the jobs I ever applied for. He was like, really? I'm like, yeah. So he asked, he's like, how is that possible? I'm like, my thoughts exactly too. And I was like, and I told this gentleman, young guy, and I was like, here's what I discovered. In some cases, I solved very big real world problems and the person was scared of losing their job. Mm-hmm. In other cases, um, they you know, didn't think that I was a fit and maybe they were right. In other cases, you know, um, they may have saw like my value and they may have been really worried about what that meant in terms of like, could I become their boss one day? I'm like, every event is an isolated event. And that's what I, I ended up learning is that in an isolated event, we cannot base the entire world on an isolated event. I was like, yes, it can happen multiple times. And it did for me multiple times. I was like, but that's not what I learned is, oh, okay, um, maybe... I'm just not supposed to walk through that door. Mm-hmm. Let me not be, like, let me not belabor a point. Let me go where I'm wanted or let me go where my takes me. So the spirituality kind of aligned me that way. And let me not take it personally because like, I wouldn't want to be a part of an organization that's treating me that way anyway. So like mm-hmm. when somebody doesn't treat us a certain way, we don't say the whole world is treating us that way. We have to say, I won't stay where I am treated that way. I'll go find where I am treated well or I am mm-hmm. respected, or I am, but this is where we have to have values and all this other stuff. And so what I found is like in cancel culture, what you're finding- And you have say to like, know yourself well enough to know what your boundaries are, which is where the whole self-awareness piece is key. Yeah, it's everything. So I, I know I'm going on a tear, but like, I just, I feel like that's where in cancel culture, you're finding people go like, you know, if you don't do it this way and you're like, you like, listen, you know, if you don't feel like they're aligning with you, even more important for you to continue to now show great, show how to behave, like say, you know what, like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily uh, agree with that, but, you know, um, I'm going to actually behave in a manner that are conducive to my values, self-awareness, mm-hmm. and continue to the platform. And maybe we can even find a way to connect and like, learn more about like, what are the parts that we're maybe missing? And so the people are just not talking, and they're just not respecting each other in a lot of ways. And so uh, you're just seeing people cancel. And plus it's also becoming kind of like a, a way to, um, you know, push down a conversation that may not be conducive to, uh, you know, what the bigger conversation is trying to be had or, or controlled. And, um, you know, it, historically that's never were ended well, in my opinion. No, it doesn't end well. I've been actually the last few months, I've been working with a lot of businesses doing what I call cancel proofing, which is, it's so my background, I think, you know, early, early on was in PR and PR strategy. And really, it's kind of taking a socioeconomic look of kind of where we're at right now, where cancel culture has come and really looking at the culture and the founder of the business and how, how to basically make a game plan and strategy to navigate through some of those things that you feel like you can stand by with integrity. Because I think a lot of businesses and entrepreneurs find them in that position and they just immediately back down rather than, like you said, meeting that kind of perceived opposition with grace and using it as a way to get closer together or at least demonstrate 
your level of emotional and spiritual maturity in the moment rather than just immediately kowtow and be like, well, whatever the mob wants. Um, Because I feel like a lot of where we've come to is that really just cognitive dissonance kicks in and immediately people just either bow down or they come at it with anger rather than actually trying to, as you mentioned with critical discourse, see if you can get on the same page, which just seems to be like completely missed now in 2022. The the short short of that is I really, I always tell people, like, I just kind of have this vision, like I said earlier, like in the macro people go, what do you know? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like, what do you know? I don't know. Like let's let, I would just, I would love a scenario where people on opposing sides kind of get together and be like, no, seriously, I'm really curious. Like, what are you looking at? Like, what do you, like, what do you, what do you know? Like, what's, what's being told to you? Oh, mm-hmm. this is what's being told to me. Like, why? What's being told to you? Like, oh, this is what's being told to me. Like, interesting. You know, like, I think it would just be really cool for people to like, want to be open to each other, almost mm-hmm. like strategically, but then maybe that's just the strategic mind and the natural discovery and curious mind of mine is like getting people together to be like, I'd be curious to know what you know. So that way we can share information and also maybe come together, not only to understand each other better, but maybe understand what's really going on. But see, therein lies the problem. Most people are not actually curious. I know. Because when you're in that state of cognitive dissonance and you're, you're clinging to beliefs that are not coming from a grounded, critical thinking place, right? You believe them just because somebody on even just perceiving that somebody is opposing you puts a risk to the beliefs that your brain thinks it has anchored in. So there is, if you're finding yourself in that position, there is no inherent curiosity, which is the problem. Like we need people to, to desire to be curious and play around again. And really, I mean, I would argue that that goes even all the way back to childhood brain patterning. Like you're either curious by nature or you're not, you know, um, that's it's so well put what you said i mean it's i mean on one hand i was lucky that i had two parents that were very much about critical thinking like never be afraid to ask and the second thing is like what everybody started going through in 2020 as a collective in terms of uh kind of what a mass collective transformation uh you know and, and really like opening things up you know people like you and i had done this years ago so when people were like you know can you imagine what's going on i'm like yeah like yeah, I, did it. I, imagined, I, I imagined it years ago. Yeah, like I did it. I did it. I went through it myself, you know, years ago because like I thought I'd done a lot of things right. And all of a sudden, like all these things were removed from me. And I'm like, how did I get here? And so when you start asking questions about yourself and kind of like and not not to say like, listen, I had a lot of things that could have looked like they were inflicted on me in a way they were. But I didn't play victim. I was like, you know what? How am I moving in this world? Like, how am I making decisions? What's going on in my world that these were the outcomes. This doesn't make sense to me. And once you start playing that kind of level, you start to dissect a lot of different things and you start to ask a lot of really appropriate questions. And yeah, it's not fun. I think that that's the part of most people is like, and where cognitive dissonance comes in because they have to basically abandon what they thought was, you know, real or they made real or whatever and actually start to look at areas that they might not have otherwise looked at. And it basically has two feelings. One feeling you have this complete bliss because you feel like you're knowing more now. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you feel complete guilt because you're like, how much shit did I just like, I could have avoided or like, oh God, like how many decisions was I making 
from po- that like prior yeah, yeah from that you know um and so i think now just everybody's in this position where a lot of it you know it's always messy in the beginning and it takes a little while when it's messy in the beginning right totally agree and i think that's why there was a meme that i saw that just had like a bunch of rubble and it talks about how sometimes rock bottom is the solid most solid foundation to to build on and yeah. i really do to your point i think we're there right now we're really the last you know year and a half two years everyone's glass house kind of crumbled and i think it happened like you said in a collective way where now the macro level experience is trying to kind of piece through the rubble and figure out what's real and what's not real because i think some of us saw elements of this coming a couple years before it happened at a minimum and then when it happened they're like why are you so calm and I'm like well (laughs) well, kind of kind of called this on a podcast a few years ago um (laughs) so some of us were prepared and I think this kind of this kind of lends itself to the very last question I have of our podcast so we'll circle back to it in a little bit because I do want to try to get into some of the some of the yeah web three pieces of tech and just things that you know even to a lot of us like i'm in the e-com world i'm in the digital space there are even things that i feel like i literally like had two back-to-back babies and i like blinked my eyes and all of a sudden everything's (laughs) completely different so i'm actually here as a student wanting to pick your brain and actually understand um before we jump into that i just want to say to a lot of people like way back i want to say it was 20 i think it was 2017 I remember being out to lunch or something with Matt and we were talking about crypto and I was like, crypto. And you're like, yeah, crypto. man." (laughs) And like back then, I feel like now I'm like an old bogey talking about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, back then, crypto basically was what the NFT is now. So I thankfully just that everyone is here. I can attest to Matt's ability to be an accurate trend spotter. I invested in crypto back then and I, you invested even earlier than that. So you made out even better than I did, but my investment, I invested only 10,000 because I was still being a little baby about it back then. But my 10,000 now is worth almost $200,000 from what I invested. So thank you, Matt. I (laughs) I appreciate you. Did I lose my wallet key for a year and a half? Yes. Yes, I did. But did I eventually figure it out and find my money? Yes, I did. so matt's awesome and i'm i've been excited for a while to pick his brain about some of these things because i feel like you're so accurate and on top of how you see some of these these trends moving so to just kick it off and i feel like it needs to be posed this way what the f is an nft (laughs) then we'll circle back to crypto well okay we'll start with the basics and we'll say how we got there Got NFT, NFT, you know, a non-fungible token. What's a fungible token? A dollar. I give you a dollar for a dollar, something that's worth a dollar. A non-fungible token, like a collectible. Um, we realize that more things are collectible than you than you could possibly imagine. We're doing it all the time. It's where we find value, right? And so, um, the difference with um, this kind of NFT, I think a lot of people, they see a lot of the JPEGs going around and artwork and automatically think, oh, so people are paying all this money for just art. You know, first of all, people mm-hmm. have always been paying money for art. Um, True. But that was just an entry point for what NFTs as an infrastructure and ecosphere can do for where we're heading. What does that mean? 
So an NFT is allowing you to take your work and mint it, just basically upload it. Let's use, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and forth between what we've been living in, Web 2, which everybody mm-hmm. understands, and Web 3. Fundamentally, they both look the same on the front end. You wouldn't even notice the difference. On the back end, Web 2 is all like that HTML coding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all the stuff that we've been using for years, stuff that's very hackable, spammable, you know, um, uh, manipulated, right? You can like, I never said that, you know, I took that down. That never existed, right? Mm-hmm. The back of Web3 is what they call blockchain, which everybody's been you know, hearing a lot of. And blockchain is just a different style of coding that's more transparent. And what it does is it basically takes um, independent nodes, computers, people mm-hmm. that don't know each other to verify information in fractions of a second or a minute. That's where we get a lot of electricity usage, right? Mm-hmm. And so why is that important? Because when you do something on the blockchain, blockchain, it's automatically like, um, uh, like it's a ledger system. It's automatically transparent. You can see that it took place mm-hmm. and it can't be hacked or manipulated or anything else in a world as a content creator. Can we put up content and people steal it and then call it their own? Can we oh, put yeah. up our writing and people call it their own? Can we put up our own music? Maybe we're not like a big published artist. We put up our music, boom, someone takes it and then uses it on their own, and they publish it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of theft of work in Web2. But in blockchain, when you upload your work, it's basically, it's almost like, it's almost like being trademarked or copywritten. It's like, oh, no, here's the original owner, you know? Got it. So, so there's a lot of utility there. So what NFTs do is they finally stitch that utility. It basically says, hey, I want to upload my work. I'm minting it or, you know, making sure that it's, it's being solidified online, blockchain online. And um, if you want my work or my products or services or whatever, you can buy it through an NFT um, and own the receipt of that or own the asset or own the artwork or whatever it might be. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense. Right? Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in other words, this is a busy gold product. I'm realizing that now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, so for example, whether you're doing the e-com side, but we'll even, I'll even take it as far as like, let's say you have a very specific program, a course that um, is very specifically designed and you're like, Hey, anybody that um, buys this NFT gets the certification, right. For, um, for this program unlocks all this content that's attached to it. And it also gets 15% off any one of our in-person workshops the next three years till 2025 and gets 10% off all merchandise. The automation is built in. It's a smart contract. Right. Okay. okay. Now the person who gets that from you gets to, um, you know, use all that content gets to, um, they get to show their digital wallet. Hey, I, I want to purchase from your website. Uh, great. You get 15% off. I want to show up to the workshop. Great. You get 15% off. It's automatically built in. All of this stuff is just taking what we've currently been doing and just automating things and um, doing it in a way where we don't have to also chase down the people later on. For example, um, let's say somebody resells your work and you take a royalty. Well, if they resell it, you don't have to go track down the person and say, give me my money. The smart contract automatically gives you your money to a digital wallet just like that. Wow. You don't have to do anything, right? So the concept is just basically taking like 
what are all the parts of a transaction, whether for a product or a service, a good um, art, music, anything that we consume? And how do we ensure ownership, transferability, and distribution? And if it's got future usage built into it, how do we ensure that we're also making sure that we're always paid a certain percentage for it being used? Almost now it's like licensing. Yeah. So it's taking a regular real world business scenario that we're all fragmented and tying it all into like an actual, you know, automation smart contract that is tracking everything appropriately on the blockchain. So let me, yeah, it makes actually perfect okay, good. sense. You did a fantastic okay. job of describing good. it. I feel like you've just taken a couple of years of me being confused and just solidified it for me. Amazing. So it leads me to this question, which is, you know, years ago, somebody would see an app functionality and they're like, oh, I totally see how I want to fit what I do into an app. And then you yes. need an app developer. So what is the process of developing an NFT? Is there like an NFT developer? Because it sounds like this isn't something where it's as easy as like, I'm just going to do this and make it an NFT. So what is that process? You just named it. That's an it. NFT developer. No, the second part. So um, yeah. So basically I just did, I mentioned my first one on Rarible the other day. Okay. Um, I made a post just like I would for Instagram, although I, I animated it. Um, cause I wanted to do something special with it. Um, you go to, I went in this case, I went to rarible.com. Mm -hmm. It says, please upload your JPEG MP4 GIF, whatever it is, whatever the file is, you upload it and says, great. Does it have like an album cover for it? And what's the description of it? And, um, do you have any royalties built in? If like anybody were to buy it and then uh, eventually sell it, you know, to somebody else. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, which, uh, is this on Ethereum or what, what other, you know, crypto is it on Ethereum? Click upload, sign the, you have to sign a smart contract, right? Because you have to solidify mm -hmm. it on the blockchain. And within two minutes it was done. Really? Really? Wow. That is significantly more simple than I was thinking that it would be. And is there, is Rarible one of the only sites that essentially generates this sort of smart contract or are there other companies as no, well? No, there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sites. Um, and I always tell people to kind of do their due diligence and figure out like, you know, I think it, it does take a little bit of experimenting up front. Um, it's kind of why I'm opening up a discord to this here soon. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to kind of walk people through some of this, but like, you know, there's open there's Rarible, there's foundation.app. Um, there's looks rare, super rare. <laughs> There's like all these different, you know, uh, sites for that um, for mm -hmm. the Ethereum blockchain, which I'll, I'll we'll probably when we get into cryptos, we'll oh yeah, we're talk for about sure how there's multiple there. blockchains, right? Mm -hmm. When I say multiple blockchains, think in Web two, we have Google and Apple and Microsoft. Well, in Web three, we have Ethereum and you know um, we have Chainlink and we have Solana and we have like you know we have these other blockchains. We have these other software providers that give mm -hmm. you the whole ecosphere. So um, yeah, so these are the different sites that you can go to, um, you know, but you have to make sure the reason why I liked Rarible is, um, you know, I've been heavily on OpenSea in terms of like buying um, NFTs, but uh, a friend of mine discovered how um, when, if you're not careful, when you mint or you upload on a certain site and you, if you do like on OpenSea and you don't do it the right way, it actually creates a co-contract with 
OpenSea. So it's not like a full ownership. Okay. Right? That was a miss. Mm-hmm. That was a miss on OpenSea's part from what yeah. we're hearing. Because um, you want to make sure that it's yours. You're minting it to the blockchain. You have to you have to spend money, by the way, to like mint it. Like I had to spend like, because um, gas fees, right? Um, yeah. I had to spend like 80 bucks to like mint my work to the blockchain. I didn't mind, like mm-hmm. whatever, it is what it is. Um, they're working on how that's all going to, you know, that those costs coming down in the future. Um, now, that's not to say that there aren't more technical um, for anybody that's like seeing like, you know, these different 10,000 generated, um, you know, uh, uh, pieces of art, like of collections of certain people, like the, the heavily marketed stuff. What they're doing is um, there are there are levels, there are developers out there for sure, smart mm-hmm. contractors that okay, um, smart and, contractors. I know that's funny, right? Um, you know, people who are creating the NFT structure and, and um, smart contracts where what they do is they're called generative projects. What does that mean? It means I'm going to take a product, like I'm going to take a piece of art um, and I'm going to make 10,000 versions of it, some rarer than others. And in that project, when the artist creates all of that, they're working with somebody who's saying, okay, let's make sure that each piece gets, you know, um, uh, minted on the blockchain, you know, uh, appropriately. Um, and if there's any, you know, extra specifications, what we call utility, any extra benefits of ownership mm-hmm. for it, let's make sure it's all in there appropriately. And, you know, that's a large amount. Imagine that that's a lot of, um, that's a lot to mint right mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Um, and so they're taking that investment, hoping that, you know, people are really into buying the project. And, uh, and so you, you do need kind of a team more for that style, but if you're just a person who wants to upload your course or your product or your service or whatever, um, or, or your art or your music or anything like that, you can very much do it yourself. It's like uploading to Dropbox basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's much more simplified than I was expecting your answer to be, right? which is, I mean, <laughs> but I think that kind of it speaks a lot to where we're going, right? There are these things that sound really intangible and complicated, but at the same time, I think part of where we are going in terms of technology is that as things get more expansive and multidimensional, they're also having right out of the starting gate, a more front facing, like consumer driven way to engage with that piece of tech. Whereas before I feel like it would take a long runway of time for the end consumer to be able to get the benefit out of the tech because it would have to evolve. Now it feels like right out of the starting gate they're you know, they've smartened up and realized that there needs to be a reasonable consumer utility right off the bat. The short, you know, a short way of looking, you're hundred percent accurate. I tell people all the time, I'm like, okay guys. So some of you have tried to build your online store. Some of you try to build your online course. Some of you have had to pay exorbitant uh, merchant fees. Some of you have had to deal with hackers. Some of you had to deal like, and everyone goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So if we were to look at that as a problem needing to be solved, would you like that solved? And everybody mm-hmm. goes, yeah. I'm like, enters web three. Right. Like All that web three was coming in to do is saying, this got out of hand over here. You're paying a lot in merchant fees. And then you, so it's like this, I tell people, I'm like, okay, let's say somebody um, purchases your product um, that gets channeled through Stripe or PayPal or any other, you know, square, whatever it might be. And they go, yeah, I'm like, great. 
you then have maybe a turnaround time of when that's um, ready to transfer that to the bank. And they go, yeah, I'm like, great, few days. Now it goes to the bank and that takes a few days or one to two days, three days, whatever, which you're, by mm-hmm. the way, notice how you're paying fees along every the way. Time. Yeah, every time. Yeah, they go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and then it finally gets to your bank 10 to 20 days later. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so that transact with everybody making sure they get their fees along the way. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, do you like that? And everyone goes, no. I'm like, exactly. So in a blockchain world, it's sort of like, hey, I want to buy your product. I'm going to initiate the transaction between us. You, the creator, will get it to me, the consumer, with no middlemen. Here's your money. <laughs> like, so that's, that's just one use case of like how mm-hmm. Web3... Now, again, it's not to say there won't be bad actors. And I think that that's a, a problem where also uh, you, you brought up a great point, which is there's all these tech terms floating around. And so a lot of people are like, I have no idea what that's all about and nor do I want to deal with it. And then the only headlines they're going to see, right, of course are the negative ones of like, this bad actor did this and this bad actor did that. And you're like, yeah, but like, you're always going to have good actors and bad actors and everything. The only, I think, not only, but some of the good news in Web3 is that it does not pay to be a bad actor. Like, it's so transparent and it actually blockchain rewards and incentivizes good behavior. Mm -hmm. Good behavior meaning like doing the integrity-driven thing because it's verifying transactions. If you try to like upload somebody else's work, or you try to like, you know, scan the system, it actually will like reject the contract. It's like, sorry, this isn't real. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what blockchain is aiming to like solve. So I just tell people like the world we've been living in with uh, the internet and how it's been kind of like, you know, kind of taking control of, you know, our data or our ownership. Like we put all of our stuff up on Instagram. We don't necessarily own, I mean, it's our work, but like, we don't necessarily like Instagram owns that data. Well, now you can upload just the same way to like, as a NFT and say, Hey, would, if anybody's interested, like you can either just read my stuff here or watch it or preview it here. And if you're interested in buying it, of course you can also buy it. Like, so it's just, but at least I own it. And no matter who loves your work and buys it, it fo- like you, the original creator follows it. So no matter mm. where it goes, it can always be traced back to you as well. Are people using this for books like eBooks and stuff now? So, um, a couple people did. I'm working mm-hmm. on mine as well. So I think I Cause just... Because, I mean, it sounds like a great way to self-publishing. do this. Yeah. 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 So that's... Um, you hit the nail on the head. Um, self-publishing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the artist Slime Sunday, um, he had a book called Banned from the Internet. And so he ended up um, doing only so many copies. And then he teamed up with a really cool packaging company that made like this really amazing it's like a coffee table style book all all black like matte finish it's like amazing and um it had like a certain case that it comes in and he basically said anybody that buys this nft i think there's only like 800 available but it's Mm -hmm. like a you know like a 500 dollar book or 300 dollar book or whatever so you can do the math it's actually a really good you know minus the cost for minting and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but um but anybody that bought the book its first owner or bought the nft the first owner gets the you know, the, the digital, physical book, the art plus well. the physical book. Exactly. That's and, so smart. And, and what's cool is, and here's where it becomes the scale of value in, in mm-hmm. web three is the internet of value and the scale of value. And this is where influencers are going to kind of, you better have value as an influencer. Let me just say it that way. Um, I don't necessarily like the term influencer, but like you better have value that you bring to a community. So people like you are like set in this new world where we're heading because mm-hmm. we have community. 
And what I mean about internet of value is I, let's say, create an NFT and you like my work, so you buy it and you think it's amazing. And I make it so it's like, hey, listen, I listed it at like, it's three, $400, amazing, cool. You own it. You can own it as like an asset and say like, you know what? I really like Matt's work. I think he's going to continue to do amazing work. Um, I'm going to just hang on to this. You also have the ability to sell it in a secondary market, meaning other people can say, hey, you know what? I really like that NFT of Matt's. He doesn't like, it's not available anymore. Like, can I get that from you? Like, yeah, make a, make a bid if you want, or, or you can sell it for whatever price you want. Mm-hmm. So now you make, you can essentially sell it for even more than I sold it to you for. So My now you make even, mm-hmm. you make even more money. The secondary, if the secondary market is like finding so much value in the work that I, I like launch my starting price points, my floor price goes up. The owners of the NFT who are maybe just still holding onto my NFT, my previous NFTs, it used to be like they bought it at like $300. Now that the minimal NFT of mine goes for $1,000, their asset holdings are going up. So they're, mm-hmm. they're winning, even if they don't sell. And then the ones that are selling, they're getting a higher price point in the market. And it basically drives this whole internet of value. We're not waiting for somebody to die for them to become you know, like a, a, a Picasso and, and like all of a sudden admired. We're, we're watching the progression of somebody's work and we're holding their work along the way. Let's say you do come out with a book and you say, you know what, guys, like I'm going to do a limited run of the book. See, now I can do limited mm-hmm. runs yeah, this for is way, higher price, points, mm-hmm. my, way my, higher price points. My business wheels are. I know. I know it is. I know you. I know you. I know you. So uh-huh. it's like, let's say I'm, this book is going to be like 0.15 Ethereum. Like that's like almost $500 you know, or something like that. Right. I say, you know, it's going to be 0.15 Ethereum. It's going to be a really well-designed book um, for your coffee table. And um, there's only be a thousand of them. That's it. And so now I get to do a limited run, you know, um, and a thousand people buy that, you know, at 500. Right. So now that's 500 grand that you made on the book from self-publishing a thousand people. You no longer, where's Amazon? Where's Amazon? So now instead of going through Amazon, a $20 book, or a $50 book, plus all those fees, plus all these other things. Now it's like, no, I want my diehard fans to buy my, my book who want my book, who want the experience of owning a piece of my work as art. $500, a thousand of them, 500,000 that you've made, but they own the book and they get the NFT. And I almost work for them because if I keep like progressing in my work and then you make their work value go up now, now they're holding my NFT, which they bought for $500 and got the physical book. But the NFT is like, Oh, like you have that. Like I see people all the time who are trying to buy slime Sunday's original uh, band from the internet NFT on the secondary market just to hold the NFT. So the person who basically bought the book is also like, Oh, wow. Like you want to buy my NFT for like five grand. You, you get what I'm saying? So because yeah, Slime Sunday keeps getting more and more popular, he keeps, you know, his, his NFTs and his art is growing. And so this is where it's the scale of value and everybody is winning. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a whole other economical, economic mind shift. And crypto is basically the subsect of blockchain and technology. And you have old school business paradigms who all they see is crypto as money and a lot being made. And so their whole thing is like, you know, if they get it, like not without us getting our share. And you're like, you don't even understand crypto is a subsect of blockchain technology, which also powers blockchain. People are even staking crypto to like make the blockchain work. Mm -hmm. I was like, you guys don't even understand because that's exactly what caused 
this new economic infrastructure to be, to be created in the first place because we believe in sovereignty of an ownership without all the middlemen trying to get their, their peace and bringing the creator and the consumer together. Um, and almost like the consumer kind of owns the brand with the creator. Yeah, right? it sounds like it. Right? So I've got so many questions. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. one of the big questions would be, where are these? So is there a certain place? I understand the transactional piece yes. using your digital wallet, but is there a place where, for instance, you would essentially house all of your digital assets? And is there also a platform by which you can see what their perceived value would be in that moment in real time? You're going to love this. Cause it I'm gets, sure it, it, it I gets, will. <laughs> no, like you're really, uh-huh. it, this is where, okay. So the short answer for that is yes, a digital wallet like MetaMask, Coinbase wallet, um, trust wallet and other digital wallets. Mm-hmm. Um, digital wallets you set up, it can be an extension on your browser or on yeah, your I phone. I think I have X is Exodus. One of them. I think I, have I do have Exodus. They were only allowing, um, Solana NFTs, but they're now getting rid of that. I think they're going to probably redo their structure, but, um, good for you for knowing about Exodus, by the way. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's because of you. <laughs> so, um, but, um, you know, uh, for anybody listening, like there's wallets that you can, there's also like, there's cold storage wallets. There's um, wallets that you just move your crypto in where you can like earn money on it. Um, But in the case of what you're asking, a digital wallet is a way that um, it's sort of like your new way to log into websites, what uh, block uh, web three websites, meaning whenever you see connect wallet, all that happens is if you've got like a MetaMask wallet, you log in, it'll sign in, you hit sign. Basically, it allows you to says, oh, you are interacting with this website like we know who you are we can verify who you are mm-hmm. and now you're inside go ahead feel free to like you know purchase to look around like. yeah it's to like getting I, it's like i getting id'd at the door before you go exactly. around the store mm-hmm. exactly now you could see how that can be twisted around i get in a narrative like oh you're being watched like no 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 what what it's doing is it's like just making sure that it's a real person and that if you buy something and that the ownership is actually yours that's mm-hmm. but of course you can see how bad actors could probably use that so oh, sure. um so the, the goal with uh, a digital wallet like a MetaMask, it does hold um, your, uh, your NFTs in it. And um, typically what I do is I send um, some money into the digital wallet. I never keep a lot in there um, mm-hmm. because you just never know. Um, so I'll send some in there when so I'm where, ready to where buy do, something. So where do you keep the remainder of it before we keep going? I, so I keep crypto inside of like Coinbase. That's my, you know, okay. my main, you know, mm-hmm. um, when I'm not holding in a cold storage wallet. Okay. Got it. Carry so on. Cold storage, cold storage for anybody listening is you're taking your coins off blockchain um, and putting it into something like Ledger. Mm-hmm. And this can come with me anywhere. Even if somebody tried to get it, it has pass keys that like are like near impossible to get in. You better remember mm-hmm. your keys, your key phrases, as you said earlier. But um, you can take it off blockchain and you can upload it later on anytime you want. You know, um, that's a conversation for maybe another time. But so you have a digital wallet and that's how you can, um, you know, buy NFTs and then hold them in your wallet. Now, here's where it gets really cool. There are platforms being created like there's a great site called oncyber.io, O-N-C-Y-B-E-R.io. What these are is you can create free galleries or you can actually um, 
bring in like if you own like a bigger gallery like you you can buy like you know it's like buying um real estate in the you know so you have on cyber.io and um you create a free gallery and inside the gallery you can actually bring in nfts you either like created or purchased and you can actually like put all your nfts up like on walls you know that's so cool now here's where the strategic mind of mine came from and i'll show you i'll give you an idea of I went to OnCyber.io and I went into this really amazing gallery and I saw all this amazing work that this person had bought with all of their crypto. Some of it they um, either owned or some of it they collaborated with somebody where they mm-hmm. brought in their, their work like, hey, hosted in my gallery. So what are we, art brokers now? Kind of. Mm-hmm. So like what happens is you can walk up to a, um, uh, to a piece on the wall and it could be animated, it could be whatever. You can actually get the original creator, the minter, um, so you know who they are, and you can get who the owner is as well, like which wallet, like you know which which wallet or which person owns it, and then you can get information about that NFT. You can make an offer at any time. I get offers on my NFTs all the time. I just don't, I don't, you know, um, I don't like I don't accept them because I, I want to keep mine. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I learned about other artists from going into these these communities i was like oh this is really cool and i found some really great artists one artist i found um he was selling his nfts and i found out i was like oh wow he's um you know an amazing russian artist who uh actually most of his stuff gets sold at christie's auctions around the world for fifty thousand dollars minimum well i was like oh wow like he just started getting into nfts and putting up um portraits of his nfts um and you, you can also have unlockable content um so you can have like a print made for you um and I acquired that for like $250. So when you think about it, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Um, I'm acquiring NFTs of a, you know, already well-established artist. I went, I looked up like an Instagram, verified. I looked up um, his work online, Christie's auctions, like all this stuff. And I was like, I would like to own some of his work while he's still, he's 55 years old. He's still building. Everybody around the world physically knows his work. He's going to probably continue to do really well. I want to own one of his, you know, NFTs and more of his work. I really liked it. So now we can actually find other work that we might not have had access to simply from these galleries, right? So that's so cool. You know, so there's so many different ways that people are going to, and, and this is kind of that natural progression because people hear like metaverse and, um, and that has a lot of different take as well. True metaverse was simply meant to be, look, um, the purists look at the metaverse as instead of doing a Zoom call, you and I can just have a meeting in a private part of the internet, a blockchain. And um, we can like put up on the wall, like let's say we wanna do like a whiteboard session. We can actually like do like a whiteboard session and save the file down to our computer. But it was like, you're in Zurich and I'm here. So like, let's just have like a cool meetup that's private and secure without anybody listening to us and stealing our information, doing all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Then you had the commercialization, right? All these companies and brands are like, yeah, let's go to the metaverse and take everybody's money. And you're like, that's not the way to think about the metaverse. So you have, it's, it's kind of like this, it's funny in, in the, in the web three world, it's like the battle for middle earth. You have the purists who are like, we left you guys behind because we don't want to deal with you anymore. And these people, all they see is money and mm-hmm. commercialization and marketing. And you're like, like you realize that it, that's very short-term thinking and it probably won't last, but let them figure that out. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Wow. I know. I'm, I, 
It's a lot, but I'm also so grateful for all of your explanations because it really has distilled, I'm being serious, like years of, of curiosity and not really feeling like I fully understood it to now I feel like I understand the whole ecosystem. I'll give you one more on that before we yeah. move on. If you want, that might be really helpful. That an analogy mm-hmm. that worked the other day, which I realized is like, you know how like you go to a website right now and you hit like home about products, um, you know, uh, or you could say, um, um, you know, view work, previous work, whatever, all that stuff. Well, mm-hmm. imagine like all that the metaverse basically does is you can now make immersive experiences on your screen where you can like walk in. And instead of if, let's say you're on the homepage, but like maybe you want to go to products, you can walk into a room and see all the products as NFTs on the wall. So it's just more of an immersive experience where you can be like, I like that. So it's like, and it takes, un- it takes like a very two dimensional flat yes. experience and it makes it at least partially three dimensional in terms of how there you can you interact with it. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's like kind of how it's, so it's like, imagine you're just, instead of hitting products on a website instead you're hitting like you're going into a room and you're seeing all the products up on the wall and like even Ferragamo did something kind of like that where they're like hey come into the house of Ferragamo you see mm-hmm. like this like click on it it opens it up and it talks about the the briefcase or it talks about the purse talks about the shoes you know it's just like that it's like it has more of an immersive experience for the brand itself got it so I do want to get into a couple other things re- regarding where investment and diversification is going in today's age. Yeah. But real quick, because this has to do with what we were just talking about. So, you know, I do a lot of consulting with businesses that are building out, you know, websites. I help consult with them on their branding and make sure that things are really matching with integrity to who they are. Does the landscape of how you build a website in terms of website building then need to change or are those platforms moving toward Web3 as well? Like the Shopify's, the Squarespace's, how does, how, what is that going to look like? Yeah, I mean, they're already kind of moving that way now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what you're finding currently is this transitional period where your WordPress and, um, you know, or Shopify have plugins specifically for Web3 components, right? Um, plugins, applications. So mm-hmm. simply like, oh, uh, will you be using this WordPress site to like mint you know, personally mint, um, have your community mint um, your products through here, you know, you can add those apps. Um, you know, Shopify is doing it as well. Shopify, I think, only allows for certain premium members to do that at the, at the current point. Then you have um, newer platforms like Webflow, you know, mm-hmm. it's just sort of like Webflow is like a drag and drop for creating a website. Um, yeah. But they were kind of already ready for Web3. And so you can bring in a lot of easy like components that are, you know, just applications, just like you would on your phone application. Yeah. I've just, I've just had a lot of my clients start to use Webflow. Right. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so those are way more ready for, um, for web three. And then, um, and that, I think that'll actually become more of the standard. And so there's already, the migration is already happening. It's very subtle because I, I tell people, I'm like, all that's all we're just experiencing is just like an upgrade <laughs> to the internet really. So um, there's that transitory period where, uh, or transitional period really where like these things are now like, hmm, well, how do we like make this better? And then who will be the first that says this is an all web three platform, you know, mm-hmm. for making websites, right? We're, we're just, we're just seeing an upgrade, but it's already happening for sure. And on web three, 
is there still a need for domain hosting or is the domain hosting functionality changing as well? So far, there's still a need for domain hosting, right? Um, mm -hmm. Meaning like I can go purchase a GoDaddy or one-on-one -on -one or wherever. Right, and then you point everything that you're building toward right. that and server. Not, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so far that's, you know, um, where I think where we're heading is obviously it would be like sites are automatically integrated. Um, sorry, <laughs> are automatically. That's okay. Out. I'm glad it's happening to you and it wasn't just happening <laughs> to me. Let's, let's automatically quit that application. So um, I think in um, once we get to where platforms are automatically on blockchain as a whole, um, they'll be hosted only on blockchain. And I'm really excited for that because um, that also changes the, the dynamic. I mean, it's already getting better in improvement in terms of like, if it's already hosted, if it's already built with Web3 tools, it's probably, you know, much um, more, more secure, secure, right? Mm -hmm. But true blockchain where the whole thing is built on blockchain, it'll probably be even more secure at that point. So, um, you know, but currently everybody's just using domains that are, you know, like usually .io is like mm -hmm. the new .com. It's insinuating that it's probably like, for a Web3 project or a Web3 mm -hmm. concept or anything Web3 related. Um, and now you have domains that people can purchase. I won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but like you can purchase domains for like .eth, right? For .ethereum, .eth, .crypto, um, you know, all these other extensions mm -hmm. that are kind of like, it's like, it's like we're being back at the internet again. It's like everybody's buying the .coms for like where we're heading. So you can own like a .eth um, that could be like for your wallet. So instead of me having like a whole bunch of like zero X, like, you know, and a whole bunch of like string of numbers, if I wanted to, I could tell people like, oh, hey, pay me at such and such dot ETH. Um, some people are all keen about it. Like, you know, I own mine, but like, I don't necessarily always want to be like, let me advertise, you know, the wallet address. Um, mm -hmm. It's transparent. So it's on the blockchain. I don't mind it. Like, you know, it's like, oh, here's what, you know, here's all the NFTs. Here's all, you know, because wallet addresses show you like what you're, you know, acquiring. Um you know, uh, or like what projects you're into and stuff like that, you know, again, transparency, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so those are kind of some of the newer domains that we're seeing. Okay. I know it's a lot. I'm, it's <laughs> a lot, but I've just, I've got so many wheels turning now. There's so many things that I want to ask you about that this is going to have to have a part two and a part three, because cool. I want to make sure that we get everything that I have on the docket for today before you have to go. And I want to make sure we get through these rapid fire questions at the end. So we can definitely do a part two and part three. Um, so as it relates to just investment in general, um, cause I know that at least from my relationship with you, I always feel like you've always been kind of pre trend as it relates to investing and diversification of assets where do you think we are headed in the next two to three years? And as an entrepreneur that might, you know, be making a good amount of cash right now and is trying to figure out basically what to do with their holdings, you know, obviously knowing that you're not telling people what to do, right? right. You're not advising. Not them, financial but, advice. <laughs> you know, this is not financial advice. Right. Um, where Where's the trend going? What What would Matt Gottesman do with his own shiznat? You know, um, yeah, I'll tell you even more so why it's not financial advice, just because it's funny with crypto, crypto, I just understood so well, for the most part from the beginning. Well, once I was a, a exposed to it and I saw how it was related to technology, that's where I got really excited because I understood it. 
um, once I started understanding the economics of it, then I saw um, its utility and function of the future. And so, um, so that was kind of like, so I got into it and I understood um, a, enough to at least live through the first cycle for me, which is actually around that 2016, 2017 timeframe. Um, so around the same time, really. Uh, and uh, I didn't know everything, but I knew enough to be like, oh, this, like, this makes sense. And I held on to it even after the, the market crashed, if you will, yeah. um, which was beautiful for me to like understand how markets work. And so the market went down. I didn't think anything of it. I just, I just held on to it. Um, you know, and I had like Ethereum, you know, I had um, a lot of coins. I had uh, Cardano. I had like a lot of these coins back at the beginning, a little bit of Bitcoin, like just some different coins from the very get-go. Um, and then, you know, the crash happened. And so everything was kind of silent on it. I just kept everything. I, I held on to it because I was kind of told like, you know, you hold on to it for the future. I'm like, cool. What I didn't do during the off season when it was crashed was acquire was buy up everything on the bottom. Yes. Yeah. So we'll get to why I'll bring that up because of where we're heading. I think now mm-hmm. um, the cycles have been very interesting with crypto since like 2011, 2012, 2013, around that time. Um, they've kind of shown these, you know, the long, the long game, if you will, mm-hmm. of, and similar cycles. Um, obviously it, Oh, you just cut out pretty bad. Are you still there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're back. So So I was just saying like, Mm -hmm. so for the long game, like it's just, it's creating more and more adoption in the, you know, in these more newer years. Mm -hmm. But so far it seems like it's still following certain patterns, right? And so 2017 was a phenomenal year. 2018, um, you know, after it kind of, there's a small peak at the beginning of the year, started to like, you know, do the, uh, where would it was, going up while it was going down basically until it just really went down. Right. So on its way down, it had a few like ups. Right. Um, And um, we're noticing 2021 was an incredible year. And in 2022, it's seemingly doing the exact same thing, you know, as 2018. Will it, will it continue that way? You know, we'll see. I really don't know. Um, But the way I look at it is I only, um, I look at, coins that are either blockchain coins, metaverse coins, or gaming coins. Because really, you know, those are the three areas. Blockchain is continuously developing the ecosphere of how we use Web3. Metaverse is in which we operate and use these tools in blockchain. And gaming, of course, because gaming is just so unbelievably powerful and they're tying it into um, how even, you know, crypto gets acquired. Um, even like for and gaming. For play. Quick question. Metaverse is actually owned by Facebook or is that just the term that is used to describe essentially how people will be engaging in the future? The meta, the latter. The metaverse is just a place of how we're engaging in the future. Meta was created by Facebook in an attempt to kind of corner, you know, that themselves market, in yeah. the market as like, yeah, we're part of metaverse as meta and like kind of, you know, they, I think have their own, um, they have their own approach uh, to metaverse that a lot of the purists, I think, are like, nah, I'm cool. We'll just leave yeah, because like in that world, they're kind of like the man, like yeah. right, like that you're kind of rallying against, right? You're like yeah, that kind of vibe. yeah, kind of, and okay. it's also like yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's, uh, so these different types of um, cryptos back uh, technology that are either blockchain related, metaverse related, or gaming related. And that's really what I, what I look at because I, I just, I look at um, these uh, technologies that are constantly building for the future. Again, it doesn't mean that they can all of a sudden, we, it's early. Can that technology all of a sudden become outdated and antiquated? Yeah, because somebody else can come along. So you, you mm-hmm. have to kind of be really, really diligent. I do not like day trade at all. Um, I constantly just acquire and hold for the future. Um, and I make different um, uh, moves out of things. Like from 2017, there was a lot of things that didn't really make it in 2021 by the time I got to 2021. So I moved mm-hmm. them out. And then I just moved into some newer things. But there's certain ones that are still around and seemingly continue to keep staying around and so um what i would i don't i don't know if it was because of you but i ended up buying more into ethereum than bitcoin which i remember that conversation (laughs) i remember that conversation i'm my my spread my spread was solid so i'm sure you had something to do with that i well i just i thought it was funny because i remember what happened where like we were just talking about i was just geeking out on it and you came back and you're like yeah by the way thank you i'm like for what (laughs) <laughs> and you, you were like, yeah, uh, my portfolio is looking good. I was like, what did you do? And you're like, well, I bought a bunch, you know, of this and that. And like all these things I was like, good for you. You know? <laughs> yeah. So- the one also that I feel like I keep not hearing anything about that I used to hear lots about was ripple. Mm. Is that, is that XR, is ripple and XRP the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, so- I'm not really, I'm not in it really. Um, you know, they've had a lot of They've had a lot of battles um, like that have kept them like in court of like, you know, there's a lot of people who love it and say that it was it's, and they're still really loyal to it. And um, what about it is differentiated from other cryptos? I don't know enough about it to really speak on it. Um, I, you know, they they fulfill a, a certain um, layer of blockchain and I just never got into it because they've mm-hmm. just been in, in, in problems for a long time. And like, I just, I always make sure to do like my best. If like, if I don't really know enough, uh, something about something, enough, yeah, then you're I like, would I'm never not, speak I'm on it. The guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, um, my, my take on it was that it essentially, my take on it was that it, it kind of functioned as almost more of like a regulated crypto that might have utility for governments, right. which already kind of puts it at odds with other crypto. Right. So I just, that's why I just, I, I haven't been in it. Um, I had a little bit back at the very, very beginning and then I just I was like out of it. And then you can't even really trade it on exchanges anyways. So yeah, um, for the most part, um, at least on Coinbase. So yeah. Um, so I just, knowing now we're now in a market right now where I think what happens is you get a lot of, you were asking about like the future of, in, of investing or the way we like, we, we look at crypto or, and all these things. And it's like, you're getting a lot of people who FOMO in because they say, Oh my God, like mm-hmm. Bitcoin's at 70,000. And like, let me just dump everything into there. And I I've always learned that never put in more than you're willing to lose. Number one. And yes, number two, advice. like never, you know, YOLO or FOMO in <laughs> like ever, you know, just because, don't, don't acronym anything with investments. No FOMO, right, no YOLO at all. Like, and so, um, you know, and I was listening to BitBoy Crypto talk about this and it's so true. It's like, because what happens is you get in and all of a sudden it goes down and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, we lost half of our, like our retirement. We lost half of this. Like, this is a sham. It's this and it's that. And it's like, well, were you getting into it <coughs> for a short-term gain? <coughs> Excuse me. Or were you um, getting into it because you like the technology and you like what mm-hmm. the future looks like? You know, it's the same rules are still applying in a lot of ways. 
And there so, has to be an, an aspect of passion and understanding about what it is that you're investing in to yes. be able to have the resilience to hold. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of the people that I follow um, that talk about like DCA, right? Dollar cost averaging, which is like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you put so much money into it a day or a week or a month consistently for however long and it's boring and it's consistent and you wake up one day and like three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, you know, it's, um, you know, mazel tov. There you go. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. you hopefully, you hopefully that you're holding like some really good holdings. It, the same rules apply that had always applied in other investments. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, the reason I think people sometimes don't like it is because it's boring, but I've also heard that the most boring and the most consistent is usually what holds the most wealth in the long game. So, uh, you know, and, uh, and it also is really great for your nervous system. Yes. <laughs> so, so I, the, I whole, don't... the whole thing of day trading, I'm, I, my right. nervous system can't even have the thought of that without getting stressed right. out. And back to the beginning, beginning of the podcast and what your point about, like, you know, when we, when this internet culture that we live in and we see these things online and people are like, you know, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm trading. Here's what I'm this. And I'm like, it creates kind of like, I think a, a culture of people wanting it fast and mm. like usual, again, you know, you always get all kinds of actors and there's nothing wrong with day trading. If that's what you really want to. It's know, kind of like the new entrepreneur everyone like back in 2016 2017 was like oh i want to open up a company and like get investment in this and that and now it's like crypto and day trading right right you know in a lot of ways yeah that's a really great analogy actually <laughs> right because so- it's just like the, the like the the perception of what that lifestyle entails and how yeah. you can get rich quick i feel like it's like this it's the new the new right. entrepreneur yeah. And so, so I just, I, that's not my bag. You know, my thing is always just like, I look at things that I really can understand. You know, I like what Ethereum is doing. You know, I like what Solana is doing. They're very different blockchains. Um, you know, Ethereum is kind of the OG when it comes to a blockchain ecosphere. Um, you know, and so it's like, you know, and, and I'll see, I'll see how they continue to develop um, for the long game. And uh, I basically just kind of, and when I, by the way, when, to anybody listening, when I say DCAing, like, I don't mean like you have to put like a thousand dollars in it at a time or anything like that. Like, I, like I literally, like I can have it set to like daily, like $10, $10, $10, $10, $10, $10. Like, you know, it's like, you can, you can set it up any way you want. The reason, by the way, if anybody's wondering why do people dollar cost average, it's because if you bought like $20 worth of it at its highest price point or $20 worth of it at its lowest price point, what did you acquire the $40 worth in total? It's the average, the middle, right? Yeah, the middle. So it's the way you basically kind of always stay. So that way, like you, you bought it for um, when you, when you're consistent and boring that way, it's like you, you know, you own it for substantially less than what it eventually will be worth way down the road. And that's again, kind of that way. You're not trying to time a market. You're not trying to like, you know, it's high. I got to sell. It's low. I got to buy. It's just like, nope, just stay consistent and boring. And, you know, and again, like I, I, I don't tell anybody what to do, not financial advice, <laughs> but you know, it's just like, um, I just, I think it's really the same rules have always applied from what we've seen before, you know, prior to crypto. Um, you still want to know like, what, it, what is it about it? The project that you, I look at all these things as projects. Like, what do I like about it? 
Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how's it reshaping the future? And um, yeah, so before where you would kind of look into the company that was going public and who was in their right. leadership and what their track record is of decision yeah. making. Now it's like you're just looking at the utility, how it fits into the future landscape and yeah. who's, who's and, backing it. And part of why I like what I like about crypto that, um, you know, I'm not saying that there can't be market manipulation because we're seeing it, especially like mm-hmm. I love when a lot of these institutions say like, we're banning it. We're not for it. Really. They're actually buying it. They're buying <laughs> so, it on the dip because they yeah, just said that. Yeah. So yeah. they're still using their, their same old tactics. Again, you kind of have to block out the noise, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we have to really be careful. Um, but um, what I like is that in crypto, you only have a certain number of coins available. And so some people were asking like, like how can, you know, Bitcoin be so valuable. And I was like, well, if you only have 21 million coins available, um, once all of it is owned, um, you know, you have to use it to have value. But if it's all owned, it has a very high value. And a lot of people don't necessarily understand that because they're like, oh, well, then the institutions will just buy it all up. I'm like, if they buy it all up and never use it, it also loses its value. Value. Mm-hmm. Because it has to be used. It's being used as an exchange of value between people. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the Bitcoin eth- enthusiasts and purists and maxis, as they call them, like they say it really well. They're like, look, we're not necessarily saying we're trying to replace the dollar. We just want to um, have a store of value like the way gold does. And, um, you know, that's a great way to hedge against, you know, what's happening in, in the real world with the dollar. And so like, you know, but at the same time, I, I basically, if it's anything that I started to learn out of just the responsibility now of like getting further on, it's like, oh, I see, like you have to manage a little bit over here in crypto, a little bit over here in dollar, a little bit over here in, in mm-hmm. housing, a little bit over here. Like you have to like basically know that, okay, there's always bad actors trying to do things with the markets, like be smart, just, you know, don't Diversity. be in a rush, be diversified, always be mm-hmm. diversified. So like Always. everything I'm doing in crypto, God forbid, God forbid I lost it all. I would not be out on my ass. Like I, I, it would be, I would, that would suck <laughs> to, to lose the entire world. Let's just say that it would suck. God forbid. But I get a lot of people, they're like, they go all, all in. Like, I'm not comfortable doing that. That's not necessarily like, I like, you know, some liquidity. I like, you know, being mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. And even then we have a whole other situation going on over there you know, <laughs> with banks and whatnot. So it's like, okay, yeah. just we have, we have the responsibility to manage, um, you know, money. And um, I actually heard a really, really interesting, if you want to get all until we, since we were going to talk about God as well, I know, mm-hmm. um, but this was really good. I was listening to Dave Ramsey once um, and he, he, there's this great video of him on stage with two guys standing next to him. And he tells, um, he goes, okay, there's Michael, represents the the owner of the money I'm about to give him and Daniel represents the bank and he goes okay Michael I'm going to give you a thousand dollars and you're going to give it to Daniel who represents the bank okay and he hands him the thousand dollars Michael gives it to Daniel and then um everybody goes okay he's like you you all with me he goes okay a month later Michael hears that his wife wants uh, an appliance he's going to go to the bank and withdraw the thousand dollars and he goes to Daniel and Daniel says oh I'm so sorry. Um, I kind of spent the money on like a bunch of different things. So I don't have your money. And everyone's like, oof, you know, and he's like, how many of you would be really upset in the crowd? And everyone's like raising their hand. He goes, right. Cause Michael trusted his money with Daniel, the bank, and they misspent his money. 
And everyone's in agreement. He goes, great. I want to reverse it now or not reverse. I want to put in a different perspective. And he goes, Daniel now represents Michael. Daniel is the individual who has the money and Michael represents God. God gives you a gift. He's like, are you managing the money? Mm -hmm. You don't own it. You're managing it. And when you manage it and you take responsibility for the blessing of something like money, um, you can create more of it and more of it will come to you, you know? And I know there's a lot of people who might you know, debate that and say like, what about the people who like scam people? And this and like, well, they'll have to meet a different kind of outcome, of course. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But the point being is that anything in our life, our health, our finances, all these things, we have this innate responsibility to manage them. We're given this as a gift, our bodies, our finances, our relationships, we have to manage it, which starts with how we behave. And mm-hmm. that will ultimately dictate a lot of the outcomes. It'll also take a lot of the worry about how the outcome is going to be if we're taking a lot more responsibility and using our honesty and our heart and things, you know, I mean, like, you know, and just being really truthful, truth shall set you free, right? Um, and so when we manage these things, um, they, they multiply. I'm so glad that you touched on that because it's, I would say one of the things that I've had to learn the most in my adult relationship with money because I mean this is a whole separate talk but I think a lot of the way we're raised in childhood dictates how we personally engage with money whether that's fear or abundance or what have you um but that whole concept that is like you know money is a blessing that comes from God and if you are mismanaging a hundred dollars God's not going to give you a million dollars to then also mismanage it's like you have to actually show that there's some level of understanding of how to caretake and grow the blessing for God to bless you with more. So I'm totally, totally with that. So I want to bring it back to God. And I feel like before we hit our rapid fire questions, because I know that you've got some time constraints. I know that there are people that feel like we are, you know, like on the edge of the end times. And then I think they're the people that are like the singularity. Um, where does Matt Gottesman <laughs> feel that we are in that spectrum between Jesus is coming back and we're about to dip into the horizon line of the singularity? I think, uh, I feel that we are really heading for great times. What precedes great times, really rough times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're at currently. And so Um, I have said this before, and I can't say this enough. Name me a time in history where dark has won. You can't. Yeah, well, we wouldn't be here if that was the case. There it is. Mm -hmm. That should alleviate a lot of people just automatically right there. It doesn't mean that it's not messy along the way. And I think that's, that's the reality is that we are dealing with a lot of a mess in general. And so, um, if anything I've learned from an individual transformation in life, it's the same that we have to do in the collective. We have to take individual responsibility um, for ourselves, for how we're showing up, for all of like, you know, um, our behavior, accountability. And listen, I get it. If anybody's listening, like, no, I've had all this stuff happen to me. Believe me, I naively thought I, like I was doing the right thing and still had a lot of people like that took advantage of that. I get it. Oh, yeah. I just can't play victim to that because I have to go, okay, how would I move differently? How do I create more self 
reliance. So I'm not relying on other people, you know, how to, and I'm not saying in a bad way, like where we're an independent artist, I'm saying that like, how do I make myself more reliant, self-reliant and then reliable for other people mm-hmm. and then um, lead the way so others can do the same thing? How do we lead by example? And I think the answer is so simple and it's very difficult for a lot of people. We all are, we are all individually the answer. We actually have to do the work. Um, and I feel like the ones that may not do the work or want to do the work, I don't know what's going to happen, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know because I feel Maybe like there's an inflection point where the only thing left to do is the work. And once we really hit that and we start you know, moving, I believe actually we're also moving into what would be like a renaissance period. When was the last time mm-hmm. we had a really renaissance period? After the plague, <laughs> right? Medieval <laughs> times were pretty rough, right? Ooh, so, yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, and, and then weirdly enough, I mean, if we want to get all like, we can go many different routes. You know, you have some that say, well, the age of Aquarius, like is actually very, is, it, you know, and the age of air is very marked by like innovation, technology, um, uh, collaboration, um, you know, uh, abundance, like a lot of really great things and marked by a Renaissance period. Again, what makes that happen? Kind of the falling of the things that no longer um, serve anything. Mm-hmm. Serve. And then you have others that say, okay, great. What preceded the age of air? Age of Earth, 600 years. What was Earth marked by? Consumerism, greed, absorption, consumption, like all of these different things, right? I just feel like what's happening is an older system isn't working anymore. It's imploding. Mm-hmm. And like I use the analogy as the Titanic, it's pretty on the outside, but it's sinking on the inside. And so you're seeing kind of like people never really go without a fight, which that's what makes it messy. Mm -hmm. Um, while at the same time you have kind of like new systems that are like, this is a mess over here. I can either really pay attention to it, or I can start to rebuild foundational elements for where we're heading. That's a new system. Yeah. So you have two very different systems happening at the exact same time, right? You have one falling and the other one rising. Um, and they're also kind of intersecting each other. And it's very confusing for a lot of us, right? Like you kind of look at it, like, I don't even know what's what anymore. I'm like, you're right. And you know who you're going to have to rely on? Your gut instincts now. So, and I realize obviously you're not God, but if I would just be like, Matt <laughs> Gottesman, tell me right now, how many years until this transition flips from tumultuous and, and rubble to starting to clean up and make sense again? How many years my does hope, that process look like? <laughs> I mean, my hope, my hope was that we were going to start to kind of see a rebuilding mentality Um, like just a lot more like a calming of the nerves and kind of like, like the ones yelling and screaming and like trying to do really do things like they're no longer like being really listened to. And by the way, that can be very high up, but like they're no longer being listened to. It's kind of like, is anybody listening to me? It's like, no, we're we're (laughs) done with you. And you kind of have everybody now just like, look, let's just work together. I can't, I'd rather, I'd rather not us fight than fight whatever's going on over there. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of hoping for like that kind of 2023, 24 on up, but I do think it's going to take uh, quite a few years of really working from a, a like a, a, a higher consciousness, a higher state of responsibility and accountability, newer, you know, um, newer technology with, um, you know, responsibility, even in there and transparency it's, it's a lot. Like, so I think this whole decade that we're in is a very interesting one. 
Um, yeah. And I'd like to think like 23, 24, you'll start to kind of see this, um, this, this growth, this renaissance period start to come in. And I think the latter part of the 20s will probably be really, um, you know, amazing. Um, you know, it's hard because I think that there's a lot of plans being foiled at the same time. Yeah. And the issue with that is that like, you do not, somebody who is that dedicated to certain plans, my opinion is that like, you know, um, they do not want to go without, you know, a fight. And I understand that they're committed to it. It doesn't matter if we don't agree with it, they're committed to it. And so um, this is where, uh, you know, again, back to the original point, which is um, when in time in history has greed or deception or dark ever won. And I, by the way, I tell people it's, greed is a very interesting, this is perfectly, I think a perfect analogy. Greed is, an, is not a sustaining um, character trait, period, end of story. And I know a lot of people say, yeah, but like, you know, look at the greed. No, it's not like, here's how gre- it, greed it always, always leads to downfall. It always. And the reason yeah. being is it's emotional because it can't stop because if it was strategic and it was calm and balanced and centered, like I'm not going to push anymore. I've got what I need. Greed has to keep going until it pushes just the wrong person, the wrong situation, mm-hmm. the tipping point where it like it, it doesn't know how to stop. That's the whole point. That's why yeah, it like rips, wins. rips the moral fabric of who you are right. apart. Yeah, right. And so I think that hopefully also helps people like it just historically has never won. It's just messy until it's finally like, you know, completed or, or demolished. Um, and we have to be very resilient. We have to be very rooted in ourselves. You know, I pray and meditate every morning. Um, yeah. And that, that is actually in line with my first rapid fire question. So I will say before I jump in there, um, I too, I, my, if I were to bet on something, I would say two to three years of pretty intense chaos and upheaval, But I think by the outside of our ninth year from this year, I think we live in a very different world. So I think, you know, to your point, it's perfectly fine to see the world around you kind of destabilizing and blowing up and say, you know what, I can be acknowledging that XYZ is happening while also prioritizing my internal space and my relationship with God so that I have resilience to navigate what it looks like is happening out there. Because quite often what it looks like is happening. There's a different, more quantum layer to that. That's going to look very different. And it's not like being in denial to be like, if you're taking that time to focus inward and say, I'm just going to ride out this proverbial storm and really do the work inside so that when it clears, because I trust God and I know it's going to clear, I come out having you know been gone from sixth grade to 12th grade instead of just quit school in sixth grade because the world's falling apart. So I'm totally with you on that time frame. It's exactly what I see. And um, I love that. Here are the rapid fire questions, because one of them you're just naturally segueing into because we're intuitively connected anyway. So how do you connect with God on a daily basis? What is your routine? By the way, I love what you just said. And um, I say play for where you would like to see the world head Mm. presently. Um, My daily routine with God, I uh, in the morning, I um, do a few different things. I journal, but I freehand to God as one of the first sections. Um, When I say freehand to God, um, 
you know, some call it, you know, conscious writing, um, free writing, whatever you want to call it. But I actually talk about how I'm feeling in any given, in that present moment. And I I write as if I'm conversating with God. And what it's helping me do is it really helps clarify my feelings and my emotions. And I can actually hear God speak back. And it's very calming because you, and then people, some people are like, what do you mean? Like, you can, we, we all have that a bit, like God's just like, they're waiting. Like, you know, I think religion really separates God a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, um, or lots of just people in general can separate God. Like it's not, we're not separated. We're, we're very much like, you know, and, and our soul, like we, we have a soul. So, um, so I do that and that really, really helps. And then um, I use a lot of different apps. Like I'll use a Torah app. I'll use the Bible app. I'll, I'll look at, different um you know uh character traits and you know thoughts about like how am i you know showing up um or like i'll do like on the bible app has like different plans right Mm -hmm. so you can you can look at those and the torah app actually also has some different plans as well too and it's like they'll they'll different different um psalms or different um you know writings for different uh, you know, having a relationship with money or having a relationship with your partner or having a relationship, you know, with yourself, all these different things. And it's cool because it, it forces you to reflect. And I think it's important to do that before you start your day, period. You'll be able to answer a lot of other questions and things that come your way when you ground first doing that. And so, um, so yeah, so I have those apps. And then um, I also write, um, um, how can I, uh, who can I pray for and uh, how can I serve today? And, um, you know, so, uh, uh, yes, an amazing person actually taught me that. And I was uh, really, I'm so grateful for that. Like, and, and having that, you know, embedded as part of the routine. Um, and so, uh, that allows you also to like, look at other people too, and what they might be going through and maybe even feel into it. Sometimes, sometimes you get the most random people. Right. Um, so I do those things. Um, I will, also do a little bit of reading, just general reading, like things that are better meant for just me as a person in the physical world. Um, and I also do maybe do at least 10 minutes of meditation. So at minimum, I'll use the Calm app just to kind of get me into that state. And then if I want to keep going beyond that, um, I'll then stay in that state and maybe even like sit. I just started incorporating sitting on my patio and taking in the sun for 20 minutes. So um, all these things that help both the neurological system and your internal guidance system, the soul. Uh, and, um, then at night I started incorporating more recently about 30 minutes before bed, um, to just not so much as reflection, um, uh, of the day, but like, just like having that time with God and myself and just like, you know, Hey, here's how I'm feeling. And, you know, um, you know, what am I, you know, please like, what am I missing? Is there anything that you want to show me, you know, and just kind of like being really humble, um, in, in that relationship basically. And, and, um, and again, it's, it's not about religion. It's about connecting, you know, uh, like God's always like, you can really mess up. You can do whatever. And I was like, Hey, I got you anytime you want, like, or you can control, you can, you can do all the control you want, like whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty. You know, and I love it in conversations with God, you know, it kind of talks about that's like, I never wanted you to suffer. You know, it's like, um, that's man-made, you know, but, um, you know, I can guide you if you want, I'm right here, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you can feel me if you want to tap into that and, um, you know, and never feel like you've gone too far away that you can't. And I think people often at times feel too guilty to ever go back to God. And God's like, I'm just waiting for you anytime. Like I got you, like, 
you're you're good I just wish you would ask I saw this one thing the other day that I feel like articulates that perfectly which is no matter how many steps away from God you've taken you're only ever one step back yeah which is to me it just exemplified everything and so one of the points you're making I feel like a lot of people only call on God when they need something. And for those of us that are parents, if your kids only came to you and they were like, I need this, or I need that, or make me breakfast, where's my backpack? Um, It's a different kind of relationship than when you're actually trying to have a relationship with God. You're, you're, it's like an actual back and forth communication. It's not just, I need this, or I'm going to pray for this. Talk to him, share, like share, show gratitude. Like there exactly how you would want to have a relationship with your parent is how you need to have a relationship with God. You know, how I have a relationship with myself and how I have a relationship with God, how am I going to then treat you? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that people sometimes miss. You know, I think like anybody, if you're going to seek out, especially in partnership, somebody that's having a relationship with God, you know, um, again, I can't stress enough. It doesn't matter the religion. I'm just saying like, they have a relationship of like, oh, I care about how I'm connecting and how I, you know, and um, if I understand how I love myself, I understand how God loves me, then I can provide the same love for another. If, if I don't do that, you know, then I may not know how to love another. So um, yeah, I think it's just, it's so vital in like kind of the ecosphere. And then anytime we actually do disconnect, having the right partner God can speak through people. And I oh, always yeah. tell the men, God speaks through women. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> amen. Amen yeah. to that. Um, okay. What trend is about to pop off that you think is currently still brewing beneath the surface and nobody's really heard about it or we haven't, our eyes haven't opened to where it's going? I think we're still early with NFTs. And I think what we're going to find is maybe it might even have a stagnant period because I think people got overwhelmed from the previous like, you know, JPEG thing going mm-hmm. on. And yep. what I think is going to be now the newer thing is um, where it's both digital and physical goods. Mm-hmm. Especially since I'm also working on that. Yeah, <laughs> so I like that. So it, this idea of like, even with merchandise, like, right. So you, you know, this idea of where um, people can have an experience from the NFT and then also when purchasing it, the first purchaser of it gets also that physical good. Um, I think it's going to really over time start to be not only experimented with, but transcend the, the shopping experience between the creator and the consumer. Um, so I think we're, that's just, it's barely touched the surface. So I think it's just, it's so unbelievably new and we're just watching people use, you know, build out the right infrastructure for it. Yeah. As you were saying that, I just got a visual of like actually going to an like a museum but the actual museum is all digital yeah I had like my I just went on a whole I went on a whole <laughs> thing with you just there I was like holy well holy it, shit that's exactly it so um I'm driving I'm about to drive everybody into my discord um I am having I have a architectural designer he is building me a metaverse property the rooms okay. are gallery and they are also like museum type rooms and also like house type rooms like they just like you can roam around you do have to have a membership card to get into certain rooms during drops. And that's exactly it. Like you can have oh experiences. God. Yeah. So like, by the way, like I will say that I didn't want to just talk about these things. I wanted to also really be about them. Right. And so yeah. it's allowing me to see like, oh my, like this is a behemoth of a project. I have like a team in New York, a designer in Vegas from the UK. I have one in LA, an illustrator in LA. I got like, 
you know, uh, an architectural designer here, like you've got metaverse, you got the NFTs, you got the designs, and then you've got the smart contracts. And you're like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And then they like the idea of, um, they, they represented a lot. The team in New York represent a lot of um, musicians and athletes and um, through a mutual friend and contact, they were like, we love what you're trying to do because whenever we talk to the mainstream, they're like, Oh, well, can we just do like a, you know, a project like, you know, alien friends and this and that they're like, no, like you have to have utility. They're like, but you get like the future of where we're heading. I'm like, yeah, they're oh, like, yeah. we want to help you. And I was like, thank God I found you guys. And I was like, is this possible? Like, yeah, it's possible. We just need somebody to like, who wants so are that. You, are you essentially making like an NFT social club? Is that what you're doing? Um, I'll tell you the basics of it are very simple. Um, it's like a try set. Basically. I want the community to own the brand. Mm-hmm. So I will have 10,000 um, membership cards um, that are okay. epic and how they're being created. Um, and the idea is they'll have, there'll be black cards, rose gold and platinum, but in the beginning, they'll all represent the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope you, I hope you tell your girl bef- before these things <laughs> drop so that I can so, see. Well, I have to tell the crew. I have to tell okay. the crew, of course, okay. you know, like open your wallet. We're distributing. Um, okay. So, um, so you have membership. And I'll tell, I'll explain why in a minute. And then you have like your one-of-one NFTs, whether that's my own artwork or like doing collabs with other artists, like my writing and their artwork, or like just the fact that we're featuring them through the platform, whatever it might be, right? Just giving them mm-hmm. a platform of voice, like a podcast. And then the third is merchandise. So like it has like dope.nfts. I have my first one pretty much done. You see like this whole like, you know, the NFT, like the 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 body of the person like moving and you can see like the the hoodie and you can see like like how it's linked to the blockchain. It has the writing, like it has all this stuff. And so those are the three pillars of the NFTs. The way I had it understood is I want basically to um, have anybody that owns a, a card, I'll, I'll only launch like 10 of, or 100 of them at, in the beginning. If you, mm-hmm. have an, if you have a membership card, I want you all to like basically, hey, I just made a 10 versions of this NFT or hundred versions of this NFT. You guys want it? Go for it. Like buy it. Like if you want it, you have 10 days, two weeks, whatever. I want you guys to own it first. Mm-hmm. If you all own it and it never makes it to the public market. Cool. If you want to resell it to the public market for whatever price you want. Cool. You own the brand. Like I like the idea of doing selective drops it's very iterative. It's very lean startup. It's like, mm-hmm. no, anybody that owns a card, basically they're the ones that say, Hey, like you guys like any of these concepts, here's what we're working on. I've watched other communities do this. Not many, only like one or two. And, um, they do it with like sneakers and they basically, you know, you have to be a card holder. There's only a thousand card holders. And they say, Hey guys, like we launched this NFT for the sneaker drop one There's only a hundred available. Boom. They were out within about 10 minutes, never hit the public market. So now all the, all the owners are the community. Well, one of the, one of the people in the community started selling, like, I think only one or two people sold like the sneakers on the secondary market. I'm not, I think the the lowest I saw a price for it was one Ethereum, which at the time was like Mm $3,200. So you're telling me you're buying a digital sneaker for four, like that's a whole like cool experience NFT for $400 and you're able to get 3,200 on the secondary market. You're making out better than the artist. Like, but the artist doesn't care because, you know, the artist did a drop and it's like, you mm-hmm. know, hey, 
you get what I'm saying? It's so collective. It's it's beautiful. Like what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I literally just came up with like ten new things for all of my <laughs> companies just from this conversation. <laughs> so I look forward to being a part of it. Um, oh yeah, that's <laughs> no, going to be so exciting. Yeah. So so that's that's so the the goal is um, you know creating um, it's it's newer, and so I think the issue that um, it's just finding the right people, and I'm so glad that I've been taking the time to like connect with all of these different like you know, the smart contracts and the, um, and the, the, um, 3d developer, like all these different people, it definitely takes time. Cause you know, you're also looking for, there's a lot of companies springing up where they're like, here's what we're going to do. And then we're going to use, where they're like, kind of like an all in thing. They're like a marketing yeah. platform. They're going to create it. And, and the, the, the issue is, and I love like what, what futures factory did the sneaker, uh, community, they were like, we didn't want any of the hype. They're like, we didn't go through any of like the big influencers for NFTs and all that stuff. We actually just want the organic people in here who appreciate sneakers, sneaker culture, design, 3D design. And by the way, some of the uh, digital NFTs will eventually have physical products available as well, too. But um, and they grew to about 1500 in there. And they're like, we're cool. We don't need 10, 20, 30, 40, 80,000 people. all been like, I want it. I want it. I want to resell it. Like, I want to make money. Like they want they want culture and yeah, they, want they want their the, core. They want the long term sustainability. And that's why I was, I was on the phone uh, with the, the, one of the heads in Paris before you and I jumped on. And he was just, uh, Nicholas is amazing. I love what him and Victoria and the whole team is like doing. It's just really cool because they're really about the community and they're learning along the way because they're like, hey, this drop went well. What did we learn? Let's do mm-hmm. something different this next run. Okay, we need to, we need to create this in the user experience. Uh, by the way, everybody, you know, anybody that missed out, what could we have done better? So they're actually using it to create infrastructure for where we're heading, not let's get in, let's make money. Like they're very much about community and cultivating this brand for the next 10, 20, 30 years. I love it. So that's it's, this has all been incredibly inspiring for me personally <laughs> as a business owner. Amazing. So before we leave everybody with how to contact you, I would love for you to leave everyone with one Matt goddessmanism. Cause I feel like you're a man of, of many words, although I think some of the best things I've heard you say are just very short and well-articulated. So what is it that you want to leave everybody with that will help them go out there and and just really step firmly into the next phase of their life? Uh, Good call. I can think of a few things, so I'll I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) Um, I would say, you know, we've never had the power more to like really define whatever it is we want to bring to this world. And I think you have to really, I, I've continuously said, and I did a sub stack on this. I said, pop, popular is very saturated. Mm. Don't seek to become popular. Um, it, in popularity, everybody's fighting for attention and everybody, you know, is like, you start comparing, you start doing all of these different things, you know, instead, you know, fight for the purpose of like, like just, just design, just create. And that'll actually really calm your nervous system. And if you get really into the details of something that you want to bring to this world, like the fact that you don't know all the things is actually an advantage. And the fact that the world isn't constantly watching you is also an advantage. You don't know all the details. So you get to set your mind to something and it blocks out a lot of the noise that's constantly distracting you and bombarding you. A lot of your issues can actually be solved by just creating something or grounding yourself into a hobby or whatever it might be. But I, I like to say creating something that, you know, can be owned by you in this beautiful new world we're in. And you don't need a starting point. 
um, you just need to start. Like you just jump in and then you start asking some questions. You meet some different people and you just kind of start piecing things together. It keeps you very focused and away from the noise. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it leaves you out of comparison because you're away from the noise. <laughs> so there's nothing to compare. And then the final part of that is that um, a lot of people want, I think, to be seen and heard. And I, and I get it. I completely understand that. But if you ground yourself in the purpose of it while you're creating um, and you stay very uh, focused on why you're doing what you're doing and you're not worried about who's necessarily, you know, how, how validated in the market it is, um, you'll handle the responsibilities that come with growth versus being thrust into a spotlight. Everybody wants it right away. And I always say, but are you really ready for what that brings, especially mm. being popular in an unpopular time? No, thanks. <laughs> so having, know. having been canceled many times is yeah. not fun. Mm-mm. So, so I think it's just take your time, ground yourself in the work that you want to do. And I get it. Like sometimes you have to leave one thing to get into another thing. And that takes time. Um, you know, I've got several things going on and some, you know, are, being having to be like remanaged in a new way so I can have more time dedicated to like web three and other things. So Mm -hmm. I I get it. It it takes time, but ground yourself and it'll really drown out the noise. Do you consult with people like me and kind of help them adapt or evolve their businesses to this new, new world? It's happening. It's already, it's already happening. Like uh, it's, it's actually happening quite a bit. <laughs> um, I hadn't anticipated that and I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. Cause I'm going to um, be popping into your inbox here real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's happening. Um, and then because I'm also aligning with really great resources. So people are coming to me and they're like, Hey, where do we find this? I'm like, I got a team, <laughs> you know, like here's how that's happening. They're like, Oh, that's great. You know? Um, and so, um, and just in general, it's been interesting to connect with newer minds who they're already seeing NFTs in a whole different way. They're not like the art can keep the art They're like, if I'm understanding this correctly, instead of doing a token, I can do an NFT. And now I have a whole bunch of people who are invested in my project. Uh, that Yeah. I mean, it's a, take. it's a whole new investment yeah. platform. I'm, I literally, I, I have quite literally two hours of things that I need to speak with you about. Yeah. And, yeah, and we will, you know, but yeah, um, it's, it's already happening. And I'm actually, I'm having so much fun with it because again, I think it's just, it's so interesting where we're heading and, and the sovereignty it brings back to like what we're developing and uh, you know, and, and yeah, people even, uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this, like people even creating what they call DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, we're still very early with DAOs, but DAOs actually give the entire community um, mm-hmm. voting rights, buying rights like a whole community basically can um together like they, there are people who are like buying land or buying you know um uh, and there's like one for like a four billion dollar dow that's wanting to buy like an nba or an nfl team or something like that and we're like but the money will be there but the organization has like you know twenty thousand a hundred thousand owners yeah. right it's decentralized, right? Wow. One day we're going to have to bring on a lawyer that's like wanting to dive into these new emerging legalities and have a chat with them too, where this is going to go. Because I would imagine a whole new, there are whole a few, new yeah. sector of law is going to have to emerge. It's already happening. There's a few. Yep. Oh, man. Well, Matt, I am so grateful for you sharing your awesome, awesome brain with our community. And I can't wait to give this to you so you can share it with whomever you choose as well. It's always a complete honor to just to connect with you and to have you in my life as a brother. I've always really appreciated your presence in my life. And I'm sure now all of our viewers and listeners will as well. If you want to find Matt, it's mattgoddessman.substack.com, correct? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So, and, and also mattgoddessman.com, I would imagine, yep. both. Yep. Um, I will make sure in all of the notes we dive through every single awesome resource he talked about in this episode, and we will definitely have Matt back on. Matt, I appreciate you so much. Love you so much, brother. And I will see you all next time. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of The Modern Good. To find out more about Break Method, head to breakmethod.com and to check out my workshops and public speaking schedule, busygold.com. I'll see you next week.